Our heart sponsor for today is the 501c3 nonprofit National Treasures Artists in Residence. We are supporting them by offering an audience-requested masterclass on business plan writing. Over 30 days, you will receive daily emails with micro-tasks broken down over the month that will give you a complete plan. This will help you assemble your ideas, communicate your concept to others, and raise capital. Participants will be eligible for prizes that will help you polish your plan to optimize success. Visit AchievePodcast.com forward slash business plans with an S to register. The mind sponsor for today is upcoming podcast series, Personality Sleuths. Personality Sleuths will be co-hosted by Dr. J. Galen Buckwalter, whose career includes being the founding chief science officer of eHarmony and me, leveraging my experience as a venture capitalist and entrepreneur. We will analyze personality using a speech-based proprietary AI algorithm, along with the clues evident in social media and the popular press. Each episode will dissect the life of someone famous who gained the trust of many before becoming notorious for duping people, committing a crime, or losing exorbitant amounts of money, all while the clues were there all along in how they spoke. Tune in soon. In this episode, we have Ravi Sharma. Ravi was raised in Southern California and became drawn towards entrepreneurship, opting to study it at USC. While there, he attempted a few startups. He also showed interest in finance and ended up joining Bank of America on the trading floor, working in mortgage-backed securities. He transitioned after the global financial crisis of 2008. Ravi has since started and exited three businesses while dabbling in asset management. He was simultaneously juggling a family mental health crisis when his mom fell into a deep depression, which was exacerbated when a close friend took his life. These fueled his desire to launch Udify, a mental health platform geared towards college students with a focus on matching them with peer or therapist support. Ravi, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. I've been very compelled by your story since you first shared it with me and very thankful to Paul Orlando for bringing us together. He's been a good friend for a number of years. And uh, when I shared with him about my interest in, in mental health and the type of guests we've had, he immediately uh, thought of you. Uh, your name was the first on uh, on his lips. Um, so it's exciting to to bring on the show and have you share your experiences. And and I must say, I um, as the story unfolds, I think our audience is going to be uh, duly impressed. And uh, I also at the top want to commend you for the great work that you're doing. We need uh, entrepreneurs like you uh, highlighting this arena and doing um, the the amazing work that you're doing, so that. Um, uh, world can be a better place quite frankly yeah and thank you so much for having me this podcast is a great platform to get the stories out and you know hopefully um just get the the message out on what we're trying to build over here because you know we all have mental health and so really excited to share like my personal story uh i've gotten signed off from my family to kind of be open about it which as an Wonderful. indian american is is you know <laughs> not easy to do itself. Yeah, kudos on that feat as well. <laughs> well, to 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 get into it, uh, I would love to start with a personal story. Um, so, you were born and raised in Southern California. I was actually born in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and funny story, my father saw the movie Beverly Hills Cop, the first one with Eddie Murphy. Sure. All the palm trees, and he said, "I moved to America to be there." <laughs> then, I, then we moved to, to Southern California. So I've been, you know, since I was one, uh, I've been, okay. uh, you know, in Los Angeles and Orange County. Gotcha. So no real memory of uh, New Jersey. Yeah, just summer breaks. It's a beautiful state, Garden State. So yeah, uh, yeah I still yeah. have family out there, but yeah. So okay. Well, Southern California. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, and so uh, Orange County, you mentioned, and uh, do you have siblings? I do. I have one younger sister. Uh, she's uh, four years younger than me. Her name's Nicole okay. Jane. Gotcha. Excellent. Yeah. So um, I know that uh, you played tennis growing up. Um, when, what age were you when that started? Yeah, man. I started playing recreationally probably when I was 14. Okay. Uh, and then I started taking tennis lessons at the age of 16. And I started off as a bench warmer on junior varsity. <laughs> and after coaching for about a year and a half, I was able to make it onto varsity 
and you know be able to play number one doubles with one of the best uh, tennis players on the team. So, uh, congrats. Hats off to my coach Mike. I actually just started taking lessons with him again twenty years later. Wow, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, tennis is such a beautiful sport, and you know my outlet for my mental health. Yeah. Oh, see, that's an important thing that you just highlighted here. The, uh, the use of sports for, uh, for mental health, mental wellness, um, you know, even that, uh, uh, adrenaline rush or just that, uh, there's so much to it that, uh, that can be so helpful. Yeah. Good thinking. Please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, that mental focus, just like golf, uh, tennis, any sort of yes. sports, just endorphins that are released when you hit a beautiful shot. Um, I love it. So I'm playing once a week now. <laughs> yes, nice. Yeah. Well, a uh, golf never quite gave me that endorphin rush because when you're hooking and slicing, it just doesn't feel very good. Um, but uh, I've learned later that uh, that you know golf is like the ultimate struggle with oneself, and so I wasn't at peace with myself. And that was why things were not going well. Um, any other sports for you growing up? Uh, you know, I played basketball recreationally. I love ping pong, obviously, kind of a sister sport of tennis, sure, yeah. um, swimming, volleyball, I enjoy a lot. Just, you know, being in Southern California, 20 minutes, you're on the yeah. beach, and it's absolutely free. It's a free thing that you can do. You can get your vitamin D, which exactly. is more important than ever. And it's, that's a really beautiful sport. No, absolutely. What were some of the other things you did for fun? Did you did you read a lot? Were you involved in debate or student government? Don't laugh at me, but I love Bollywood. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I love uh, I love Bollywood music, Bollywood um, movies. Um, you know, it was a great way for me and being an Indian American to get um, some of the culture and some of the, you know, just learn the language, Hindi, which is my second yeah, language. Of course. So now I can still speak it. And I think I attribute a lot of that to Hindi movies and Bollywood films. And it just teaches you a lot about, yeah. you know, culture that's so rich, thousands of years old, so. It's a, it's a great way to maintain the language, absolutely. And I was thankful for that uh, medium as well. Um, it's a great form of escape. Um, thankfully, recently, there have been a few directors who are more artistically motivated. Um, and so you're seeing some great fare. Um, but for a while, it was a lot of just uh, <laughs> yeah. mind candy, so to speak. Yes. Uh, okay. yeah, so I got to ask the question, favorite yeah, actress? Favorite actress today would be Deepika Padukone, uh, and she's oh, actually okay. she's actually huge in mental health too. She has a nonprofit, uh, and she was very open about her depression and medication and things that she's been taking. So she's uh, outside of Bollywood. She's just a fantastic human, you know, being able to be open about her mental health struggles. So I love her. She's fantastic, phenomenal. Wow. Well, I didn't actually, was not aware about her um, work in the mental health arena. That's really good to know. Um, that's going to help a lot with uh, addressing stigma in the, uh, in the Indian community. No, that's really great. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you mentioned that um, uh, your dad's an entrepreneur. So did yes. that have some influence when you were heading off to USC about going in a business direction? Like, when did you have that realization that Yes. That's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, you hit it on the nail. Uh, he uh, actually wanted to be a lawyer going into USC when I got accepted. Mm -hmm. I was initially poli sci. Uh, and uh, he kind of said, hey, listen, you're going to one of the best business schools uh, in the country at USC undergrad. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do the business degree? You can do poli sci as a minor, but do, do business. And I kind of saw him run his businesses. So I was really inspired by that. And I said, sure, why not? I always can go to law school afterwards. But the more classes I took, uh, the more entrepreneurship classes I took, um, I just fell in love with business and the, the idea that you can have so much impact through business. I still feel like I think like a lawyer. Uh, a lot of times I'm very mm. linear with my, my thought processes. I'm, I married a lawyer as well. So I'm very much, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much attracted to that kind of um, mindset. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually started to tried to start a few companies at USC as a college student with some of my buddies. Wow. We were experimenting with things. And then I uh, was the president of the entrepreneur club, the e-club, the marketing club. So I was like very, it was a very, I'm a very social being. And I really love just 
the energy and the vibrations and the passion you know entrepreneurs and business people have it's just it's it's hard to describe it's just something so inherent in the degree itself yeah yeah that's so fascinating i mean gosh uh doing having startups at school while you were doing some impressive internships with uh some big names in finance that's uh that's a lot to juggle well done none of them got off the ground (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well i figured as much i didn't feel like i needed to highlight that it's <laughs> otherwise we would be talking about that and how yeah. you know you, you you had your mark zuckerberg moment and you dropped mm-hmm. out and all those other yeah. great things but um no, yeah. so you ended up graduating and then uh, you joined uh, bank of america correct yeah. yeah, I joined a B of S. So I got two offers, one from Accenture to be a management consultant, and then one in banking. Banking comp package was a little bit better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when you're that young, you know, it, it just makes sense. <laughs> and so I worked on a trading floor for about four years. Uh, super fun, uh, tr- closing trades uh, on a regular basis. Really enjoyed that transactional environment. You know, the endorphin that you get for closing these deals is just okay. such a rush such a rush and just brilliant minds on the trading floor, you know, people working from 4am to 4pm. And then some people working from 7am to, you know, 9pm. I was on the latter side working 12, 14 hours a day. It was, it was cool. Like it was, I was learning a lot. I was a sponge uh, and it was a great ride until of course the global recession hit in 2000, um, 2008. That was that was wild because literally everything stopped in the financial markets and being, you know, 24, 25, I was like, Whoa, what just happened? Like, you know, everything shut down. There was no more trades happening. It was, it was surreal, much mm-hmm. akin to what we're going through right now. You know, it's, this is a whole new uh, world that we're in with, with COVID and everything. No, it's true. Yeah, no, there was a big adjustment that had to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I know it, uh, in anecdotes you've shared, your department was kind of decimated. You were one of the last few standing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which isn't I mean, easy. There was, there was a point where we were pledging uh, MBS bonds to the Fed window just for some liquidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, to manage the countrywide acquisition because, right. the country, you know, it was just such a, uh, I remember the bathrooms, they stopped like putting toilet paper in the bathroom. Like it was just, it was unreal because there were just, wow. there's so much change happening. They didn't know what yeah. was going to happen. Was B of A going to yeah. go under? Like no one knew right. what was going to happen right. to the big, I mean, I think B of A was okay, but you know, the big money center banks, everyone was worried about that. Yeah, when uh, Lehman went under, which everybody thought was a part of the too big to fail, uh, yeah. the rest of them really got uh, got covered. But, you know, that's uh, uh, just a great example of government intervention that worked mm-hmm. exceptionally well because all those loans got paid back with mm-hmm. interest. And, um, you know, it's uh, uh, just a highlight of, of how that can work well. And hopefully we'll see that similarly happening now, although the stimulus that... Uh, there's been a lot of strife around a lot of the stimulus that's yeah. been uh, received and uh, disproportionately going to to uh, recipients that maybe don't uh, deserve it or don't quite have the profile of a small business that uh, is trying to be saved. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there's going to be imperfections, right? Um, yeah. the, the good news coming out of 2008 is housing prices rebound, rebounded. Yeah, uh, a lot right. of people that had everything in their home got it back. Um, you know, people um, were able to make it through. And yeah, of course, there were some abuses, like, you know, there were a lot of TARP programming and, you know, all these different things, you know, the mod programs, and I'm sure there were a lot of inefficiencies there and people took advantage of it. But COVID is, it's nobody's fault, right? With the subprime market, subprime meltdown, there was just fraud across the board from lending to borrowers, you know, to all these rating agencies, I think everyone is at fault. Some right. real estate agents, everybody was at fault, you know, because everyone was just trying to, you know, keep the dream alive. Here, we got hit with the pandemic. And so if there are some inefficiencies and it helps people bolster their their balance sheet, their personal balance sheet in the process, yes, there's going to be some folks that um, are shouldn't be taken care of. But at the end of the day, um, they've paid taxes. 
and their, you know, their businesses are probably struggling and maybe they've had a death in the family from COVID or they went through COVID and now they have, you know, any sort of, sort of medical expenses or they missed work, whatever it may be, or they don't have childcare anymore. I mean, being a parent, I know you can relate to this. You don't have childcare. You're trying to run your business and you're trying to take care of your children. God, what a, what a weird kind of place. So I think I'm cautiously optimistic that the stimulus and everything that we're getting will help, um, help kind of re help Americans retool, rebalance and, you know, come back stronger and better. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm hopeful uh, for that as well. So um, just thinking that this first job out of college, not only are you managing kind of this stressful environment with long uh, work hours, um, this is also the beginning of when some of the issues in your personal life began to to come to the surface. So yeah. please share with us what was happening there at that time. Yeah, you know, my mother at the time was battling uh, depression, uh, severe, severe depression, uh, to the point where there was already one suicide attempt. And oh, so, so my sorry. first year in, thank you, my first year into my banking job, I, I took my Series 7, and I passed it, barely, I got a 71, and I think 70s passing. <laughs> Good job. Um, so I, I thought it was set, like I was ready to rock and roll. And then my mom had a, a complete meltdown, like just complete meltdown. So I had two options. I could just let my my dad and my sister figure it out on their own, or I could quit my job at the time and go back. I didn't want to quit my job. So I went into my office, my boss's office, and I said, hey, my mother has a brain thing. So I didn't even say, because this is, you know, 15 years ago, right? I didn't even say it was a mental health issue because I didn't even know what words to use. Uh, yeah. I didn't even know what it was, you know, really. I didn't understand it. Uh, so I said, oh, you know, she's having some brain thing and I don't know how long it's going to take. Well, and he's like, listen, we just hired you. It's been a year. You, you've like passed your series seven. I think it actually been like nine months or something. Why don't you just take a 30 day leave of absence? And if your mom feels better, come back. Uh, so I went home and I just immediately got her, uh, we got her a psychiatrist, we got her a therapist, um, all out of network, out of pocket. But I uh, see that process was so wild because I had to interview 20 doctors, 10 weren't, you know, to 10 just didn't, were not taking new patients. And then some were just like, hey, we don't deal with that. And some were like, oh, we, wow. we can help you, but I just didn't connect with them. You know, there wasn't that connection. So I just, right. I just got really, um, as a 25, you know, 23, 24 year old, I was just like, whoa, this is a lot. Like this whole mental health care system is totally broken. Yeah. Uh, but the good news is we got her a therapist. We got her the right support structure. We put together a WhatsApp group to kind of manage, you know, if we mm. see any symptoms or anything kind of creeping up, we can all come together and support her. And now, you know, touch wood, she's been in full remission for, um, you know, 10, 15 years. Now there are good days. There's bad days. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, we all have mental health and sometimes she struggles. I struggle. Our family members struggle, friends struggle, but it has been like, really nice uh you know she's such a good grandmother she's so supportive uh you know we moved to orange county recently just to be close to her and my father okay. because they're so supportive but yeah that was my first run-in with mental health issues uh in my family and i thought i was alone so i didn't i never spoke about it i never mentioned it to anybody else i mentioned it to one family friend and they basically said we can't help you um <laughs> And we can't even be friends anymore, by the way. So, wow. Um, oh my God. Because it's just too much drama. It's too much, you know, for I think it's just a lot to ask from someone, hey, can you help me, you know, yeah. when you're going through this? Because they don't even know and then they have their own family. And so you have to kind of empathize with that. But it's, as you can imagine, mental health and awareness has pro really progressed quite a bit yeah. because now I feel yeah. like people are way more comfortable saying, hey, I'm just like dealing with anxiety right now. Like I can't, I need to take a minute. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's what it is. It's the stigma of, uh, of mental health. I mean, if, if your mom had been in a car accident and she was in a cast and needed help around the house, then uh, they probably would have been sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll stop by. 
bring food. Um, but um, yeah, that issue. And, and it's just the insecurities it raises for other people about what might be going on with them. Like they also can't handle that. That's a big uh, area they don't want to go into. Um, so uh, gosh, yeah, sorry that that had been the experience, but um, it was elucidating for you and a, a big reason for what you're doing today, I'm, I'm certain. But to, to come back to your career track, um, once uh, you know, the, the financial crisis of 08 happened, uh, you put on an entrepreneurial hat yeah, again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I was actually able to start three companies with my father. My father's name's Indra um, Sharma. He had had a few exits before. Um, he sold hotel.com to Expedia in 2002. Um, Medibuy.com uh, had filed an S1 for that company. Uh, touched multiple different sectors, but really passionate about like hospitality, healthcare, and energy. And so he said, "Hey, do you want to uh, join me? You know, you have a golden parachute now. Why don't you leave? You're not doing anything." Uh, and so I left, and we invested our combined capital in, into three companies: uh, two clean tech ventures and um, one a healthcare venture. The healthcare venture we sold for six figures, not a big exit by any means. But for me, that was my first taste of, hey, I only put in like 10 grand into this company and I was able to get it in a couple years, sell it for six over, you know, multiple six figures. That's that's a pretty great return. Like this, there's something here. And then we took all of the financial money, uh, you know, uh, earnings that we've had and savings that we had and put it into the other two clean tech ventures. One, we sold to our partners pretty much flat even the other one we had put in uh a lot basically everything uh fully levered into one uh one business and it was the the goal of the business was to revolutionize the way in which commercial lighting is um is sort of manufactured and distributed and so we took induction fluorescent technology, which is actually Nikola Tesla's technology, right. uh, much like the induction technology that you see for cell phones being charged. And we applied it to fluorescent and used it for streetlights. And we got all these pilot programs. We won, you know, went to the Department of Water Power, had great, great success, but then uh, LED ended up winning. Uh, and so now if you drive around anywhere, you see LED, but LED, yeah. yeah, we lost that battle, but it was fun. I got to see and taste that technology can really revolutionize, um, different industries. And that I got really excited, but it was, that was my first scar in entrepreneurship because we lost, <laughs> we lost everything, like literally everything. So it was, wow. it was cause that, you know, the tech, when you're investing in tech, deep tech manufacturing, exactly. It's so expensive, especially it's in a California. A lot of capital required, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you were all in, and um, well, classic uh, entrepreneurial story of of losing everything. Um, Ravi, I just connected a bunch of dots, and it's dawned on me that I have actually met your father. Really? Um, is your father involved with a company called One World Filter? Yes, he is. It's Judith Ryan is the founder there, so I know right. Judith. Her son, Julian, um, was my um, intern for a while, uh, including oh, wow. on this podcast. And so I'm really? still involved with Julian. And there was one time that um, your dad happened to be in Santa Monica and I was with a production company at Santa Monica Airport. And I, I asked if he could stop by, that would give us a chance to meet. Sure. And so he was very accommodating. He came by. And so uh, we met and chat briefly about awesome. uh, One World Filter. Yeah, uh, we uh, we that's uh, we bought the licensing rights for that technology for India, and right. so we're we're manufacturing uh, One World Filter, uh, you know, filtration systems in India, distributing that in India right now. That's one of our portfolio companies through our family office right now. So that's yeah. great. What a small world. What a crazy small world. Yeah, 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 that's really phenomenal. Well, you'll have to ask your dad about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so um, after having that kind of um, that 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 blow of the company, the the light yeah. company not not taking yeah. off, um, you you dabbled back in finance for a little bit. Yes, um, but yeah. then uh, never really lost that entrepreneurial spirit. It's clear. Right. Yes, 
Yeah, I, I kind of, I went to, a, I worked at a mortgage REIT for a little bit, and then I worked at a money manager in Pasadena called Western Asset Management Company, had a great time. Um, but then, of course, another life event happened, um, kind of connecting the dots with, you know, how we started this conversation. One of my friends that I play tennis with regularly, uh, unfortunately, he took his life. So that, for me, was the catalyst, kind of seeing my, my mother battle things, some other family members battle things and then seeing my friend you know just out of nowhere uh I seen he was he was the hype man you know he was that guy that you would go out with and he's lifting everybody else up he's saying hey let's have a drink let's um you know we would we would travel to austin together for a bachelor party and he was like putting on comedy videos and you would never expect that he was in a dark place i mean there was there were signs in retrospect, if you think back, like, man, was he masking that with his pain with kind of this facade? And, well, you know, you see going it. excessively in one uh, overshooting to, to compensate. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you don't know that as a sign um, yeah. of a potential problem because we're not trained to think that way. We're just like, oh, this guy's just the life of the party. And yeah. uh, was he also uh, Indian American? He was Indian American as well. And super successful, six-figure salary, doing his dream job, had just moved across the country, um, and I think was just setting up his roots. But you know, I think it's so important to have people that you can talk to. But it shocked me to my core. And even at the funeral, um, I'd learned a lot about all my Indian American friends, uh, they opened up and said, hey, we've all had mental health issues. And that I knew right then and there that I wanted to do something about it. I, I just, I knew I needed to, I needed to look at what was happening in this space. I had been monitoring it since my mother had her kind of um, run in with mental health issues and I felt like I could do better, so. Yeah, no, that's yeah. really extraordinary. Thank you for having the courage to, to do mm -hmm. that. Now, as, uh, as you've talked about, the, um, uh, the industry of uh, mental health delivery of services is, is vast, and there are a number of uh, areas where value could be added, which is my euphemism for saying that there are several parts of it that are broken. Um, you opted to focus on that um, sort of uh, access and selection piece for uh, getting professional help, which, as you talked about, was... Uh, you know, strenuous and, and laborious for you, you when you're trying to help your mom. Um, was that is that uh, was that always the uh, impetus from the beginning, or did you explore different areas? Like, tell us about how Utify yeah. came to be, and also share with yeah. the audience its definition, which I think is yeah, brilliant. yeah. So the company that I started is called Utify. It's a little play on marketing. Ut in Hindi means to lift up, like get up, and so Utify is a process of lifting um, one another up. And you know, we really, we've pivoted multiple times as you should as a, as a startup that's learning the space. Um, we really wanted to be a platform that allows you to get access to care in a more streamlined way with a matching algorithm. That's always been the core of our thesis, using AI chatbots to match you uh, with the right resource, uh, whether that be a therapist. Uh, in the early days, we really wanted to have peer support too. And I think you and I were talking about this earlier how just having that that peer-to-peer -peer connection sometimes can be so cathartic, just connecting with someone saying, hey, your mother went through an issue, my sister went through that same issue. Can we trade stories? Can we trade ideas? And I can't tell you how many times I've seen I do that on airplanes uh, when I used to travel. Uh, you know, you <laughs> right. just, you're sitting next to somebody, you're sitting next to somebody and you just share your story. You, you may not see them ever again, but then they open up like, hey, I'm actually, I met a, a news anchor that was traveling the other day from Chicago to LA. She's like, I'm coming to LA because my daughter is sick. I think she has bipolar disorder and I don't know what to do. And like, you know, she just opened up and like literally tears were about to come down. But we, I told her, hey, it gets better. This is the process. It, this is all normal. It's going to take some time to find the right medication and the titration. So we started with thinking about peer-to-peer -peer support. Uh, we didn't know how we could make that sustainable. So we just kept it directly with sort of professional support. Um, and 
today, you know, we, what we found is being an early stage startup with, you know, um, limited funding, we're sort of still a little seed stage. We haven't done our series A yet. It's challenging to be a DTC play, a direct to consumer right. play. So we're focused more on the college demographic. And so we've pivoted now to a ecosystem play where we use the same technology stack, the AI chatbots for education. So you use the technology to learn about mental health, fluency, what are good sleep habits? What is good nutrition? Uh, how do you identify symptoms in yourself and others? How do you be resilient? Just, you know, like a 12 module course, then outside of education, we use intake. So we use collect psychometric data, assessment data, like the GAD7, which is anxiety tracker, mm -hmm. PHQ4, PHQ9, WSAS, NM Assist, all these different uh, battery of psychometric data. And then we use that to create a digital phenotype to route you and triage you to all the different resources on a college campus. Gotcha. So using the same tech stack for education, for triage, and then also for telehealth, right? So if you need to talk with somebody and you don't want to go into the office, hey, you can do real-time text, audio, or video. So really wanted to create this ecosystem where you can get access to therapy, you can get access to the different resources on campus, and you learn, you know, at the, at the very baseline, everyone should have some fluency because we're not, that's the problem with society today and our, our system today, there's no baseline understanding. And so when you don't have knowledge, there's stigma. When there's stigma, there's lack of access. When there's lack of access, there's cost issues, there's inefficiencies. So structurally, that's where you have to start and that's where we're at today. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's phenomenal. Um, and when did you launch? Yeah, so we launched V1 September 2018. Actually, on okay. my mom's birthday. On my mom's birthday in September wow. 2018. Yeah. That's really touching. <laughs> uh, well done. Um, yeah, so it's been uh, just a little over two years. And at, at what stage did you get uh, affiliated with the accelerator at USC that uh, our mutual friend? Yeah, Paul you know, uh, Paul, it's, I'm so glad he connected us. Uh, he's an advisor, he's a mentor. And funny story, we had only done really a friends and family round at that point, pre-launch. This was pre-launch and a uh, paper napkin idea. And I told Paul what we were building. He's like, hey, Robbie, you have to have a demo. Uh, I, you know, there needs to, you have to have a team, all these different things. I'm like, I have that. And I went through it with him. I brought my whole team to his little, in, his incubator in the basement at Hoffman Hall. And, um, and he's like, okay, how can I help you? I'm like, hey, I need to get plugged into the USC ecosystem. I really need to, this is the, this is where I want to launch this thing. He's like, sure, yes. no problem. And he's like, hey, can I help you out financially? I know you're trying to get this off the ground. And you won't believe, Asim, he gave me a, uh, a four-figure uh, grant, uh, grant award, which to me at the time, my <laughs> alma mater giving me an equity-free grant, it just meant the world to me. It wasn't the money. It was his sign-off, his belief in what we were doing. And that was like the best check. Out of all That's the checks that I've gotten, <laughs> forget institutional, forget angel. Right. I mean, he didn't take any equity either, which was really nice. <laughs> uh, but it was just such a nice gesture. Out of all the companies in the cohort, all the cohorts, you know, I think 5% or 10% of the companies get this or something like that. And it meant the world to me. It meant the world to me. And, you know, with the friends and family around, we did and that small $6,000 grant, $6,090 grant, we launched the company. So Amazing. It was phenomenal. Wow. wow, that's really fantastic. Now, And do you share um, operating metrics, like um, how many professionals are on your system? How many students have you placed with them? Yeah, so right now we're talking with 24 universities. Uh, so our goal wow. is to go top down, um, go at the university system level. So the biggest university systems on the East Coast, um, Southeast, we have them uh, in play. And then the, one of the largest systems here in California, we have in play too. Uh, but we're also going to the private schools. We're also going to community colleges. Um, from a provider network uh, process, we have about 200 providers on the network looking wow. to grow that. Um, so we're just kind of getting started, uh, but we think we can definitely grow the 
provider network throughout the country. And so that's what we're focused on right now, along with going online with the university uh, universities as well. Wow, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, as uh, in a way to address the stigma, you mentioned the educational piece that uh, you're providing. Um, are you finding that a lot of college students are availing themselves of that information? Or is there a lot of, uh, how are the analytics? Is a lot of viewership? Yeah, so it is a challenge. It is a challenge that we're trying to balance. So the the first use case that we had was at Loyola Marymount University, okay. uh, and we did a twenty student pilot with them, and it was in a clinical setting, clinical trial setting. So we had to get the institutional review board signed off. So we had to deal with subject safety. Right. Uh, you know, we had to do like a, a architect a crossover design. So we did five weeks of therapy and then five weeks of peer-to-peer uh, -peer support through our platform. Um, so we kind of constructed all of this and then we did ask them for a lot of data, a lot like thousands and thousands of data points throughout this 10 week study. And <clears throat> it's something that we're still struggling with to be honest. I, I think you, if you ask for something like data from uh, a student, you need to give them something back. Uh, so what we're, what we're trying to figure out now with our, our team, uh, our, our engineering team is, can we give them like a, a score or a rating or like, Hey, this is how your mental health is. Uh, and like, give them something tangible. So when they give us this, these inputs, we can give them an output that says, okay, like this is where I was last week or last month or last year. Here I am today. So we're, we're trying to gamify it a little bit. We're trying to make it a little bit more um, being a little bit more thoughtful. So we don't ask all the questions like right away. And maybe we're cutting down some of the assessments. So we're still, it's kind of an art. Uh, the, the data is science, but you got to be kind of um, thoughtful about how you capture that data. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, because uh, you're basically, you're asking for a proactive um, engagement. So you're asking them to do a survey or a questionnaire um, mm -hmm. in order to get uh, get that data and the feedback. Um, but I, obviously um, the way you've gotten into these other 24 university groups is by showing efficacy that there are Correct. improvements, which is Correct. really extraordinary. Yeah, so when we, when we shifted from DTC to B2B, uh, that was the one kind of requirement. Um, a lot of university systems, they see mental health apps all day, yeah. all the time. And like, what differentiates you, Udify, from, you know, the talk spaces of the world and all these wonderful platforms that are in this space. Yeah. And so we made sure that we did a clinical trial uh, and for a bootstrap kind of early stage seed stage startup, you know, these things cost millions of dollars to be able to pull off a clinical trial. So we were really thankful that we're able to kind of do that. And we have the report and we share that with universities and like, okay, this actually improves health outcomes. Um, and so there's a clear ROI here. So, you know, we're really excited that we did that. We knew we needed to do it as a prerequisite to get these accounts, uh, but the contract value for these accounts is six figures, every deal you know, it, every deal is in, in like $200,000, $300,000 contract value that's paid annually. Um, of course, we're saving the university 5x, 7x sure. that every year, but, yep. but, you know, it's, it pays for itself. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you're currently in the middle of a fundraise? Yes, yes, we are. We're always fundraising. It feels like, <laughs> uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of comp, we we closed uh, a majority of our seed round by the end of last year. Some great okay. investors came in: the Titan Fund, OC Angels, um, and a few other good uh, good investors. So uh, we're not like actively actively raising. Like it's not a roadshow right now. Sure. Uh, we're you know passively kind of um, with all the the reach outs we had done, um, reaching out and, and raising. So gotcha. Okay. And do you have a target amount? Have you stated yeah, the bridge it's, it's the bridge to a, uh, it's, it's 3 million, uh, for the round about a million of that was filled. So it's like 2 million that we'd love to, to fill. Uh, but it, we're no rush to do that. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Now, um, one of my favorite questions to ask is, um, 
you know, what, uh, what milestones would you like to hit so that you as Ravi feel it's a success? Yeah. So there's tangibles and then there's the intangibles. Um, for me, the tangibles is really growing the extended network of providers you know, really having uh, a really strong sort of supply side of the kind of marketplace that we've built uh, that is really passionate and really empowers them to build their own virtual practice. What you see in the market today, just to, as a backdrop, is a lot of providers, your therapists, your psychiatrists, your social workers, they're burning out and they're using technology to kind of deliver care, but they're making 15 to 20 bucks an hour. Which is seem if you're a clinical professional, you've gone to undergrad, you've done your clinical work, grad school, you've done, you know, your training, you've been supervised, and now you're making 15 to $20 an hour. No, that's just, yeah. and, and you're dealing with vicarious trauma, right? Helping so many people taking all of their pain, you know, there's, there's, yeah, so we want to empower providers, grow that extended network and really change the game there where they're making a fair sort of wage there. And then from a university perspective, we'd love to own one entire university system. Right now it's, you know, a few universities here and there. Uh, there's almost 6,000 colleges in this country. I'd love to go online with the one university system that's anywhere from 12 to 14 schools. Um, and we're talking with the top ones right now, but I'd love to be fully online operational and helping, you know, 300, 400,000 students on an annual basis. That would be my goal. Not just they've downloaded the app, but utilization, uh, engagement, uptake, improved health outcomes, culture change, right? They're on campus. They're like, hey, I'm, I'm using Udify. I feel great. You know, my mental health is good. Especially with COVID, we're seeing a 4X increase in mental health issues yeah. because of COVID, Surprising. right? Yeah. So that's, you know, those are the tangible kind of outcomes from Udify that I'd love to hit this year. Intangible over the long term, you know, we started this because of the stigma. Uh, and I would love for one day, uh, and I know you can relate to this, you have kids, but for my kids and the next generation to talk about their therapist or their coach, their, their mental health provider, just like they talk about their PCP or their exactly. tennis coach or whatever. It's just like, yeah, hey, you wanna to talk to my therapist? Like, and everyone has a therapist or a coach or someone in the behavioral health or uh, mental health space that's just supporting you. Because this, this is a muscle too, right? Yeah, and if, if right. they're so open talking about that and Udify can even just have a little impact there, I'm, I'm happy. And that's, that's yeah. the intangible piece. No, that makes complete sense. And um, I, I, I'm hoping that we're beginning to see some of that shift. A good friend of mine shared an anecdote that uh, he was online with his uh, like five-year-old and um, she had to leave and she said, I, I have to go for um, some uh, like an online art class or something like that. And one of the peers of like six or seven said, oh, okay, I have to go anyway for uh, my therapist. And just said it as matter right. of factly as an so art great. class, That's and so it's awesome. like this is this is great. This is exactly great. where the that direction we need to be heading in. So, so that was that really makes nice me very happy that you should, that, yeah. that is that's exactly what I want to happen. Yeah, and you know yeah. it has to start with a brand, like a brand that is open. And if you look at Udify, the brand that we built, it's very much uh, animated characters. It's light. It's fun. We're not showing people crying, sad, uh, which is fine. That's totally okay. But we want to do make this like sort of more proactive, um, and so it's it's more like mental fitness as opposed exactly. to like mental illness. Like yes, hundred yes, percent. You can have mental illness, but you can flourish with mental illness. You know, a lot of a lot of the top CEOs. I'm sure you've heard of the CEO's disease, right? Where yeah they're super high functioning, but you know, there's some underlying mental health condition. I mean, I, exactly. I, I know, know a lot of these folks, right. They've opened up about it. So, you know, they're, they're titrating their, their mental health and their, their illness to be able to outperform others because it, it is really a superpower. If you think about it, if you can really harness your mental health, it can be, it can help you outperform anybody. 
Um, no, it's so true. No, yeah. 100% right. Um, and I was really proud. Uh, my daughter also has a, a podcast that she runs called uh, Feminine Focus. And it uh, focuses a lot on her peer group. And they talk mm -hmm. a lot about the mental health issues that they're grappling with during uh, quarantine. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, she has, we had this great conversation where she said, you know, we really should just call it mental wellness because mental health or mental illness makes it seem like there's something diagnosable. Right. And she's like, I don't feel like I need to be on an antidepressant, but I am sad that I can't see my friends right now. Right. And, um, and it's like, yeah, this is absolutely that right. That there's, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a normal human experience, but we should be able to talk about it. We should think sure. about ways, maybe through sports, maybe mm -hmm. through peer support. Mm -hmm. um to address that and it, it's maybe not an hour session a week that's that's required maybe it's just a couple of minutes but you feel yeah. this boost um and I and you're you're just in a better place i mean that's our uh that's our whole thesis in our clinical trial is we did 30 minute sessions so snackable therapy and mm -hmm. the 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 gad7 and the phq4 the anxiety and depression symptomology was reduced by 30 40% just with wow. 30 minute sessions over five weeks, which is wow. crazy. And I think it's not actually some, it was a hypothesis we had based on third party literature, but there's this concept of like dose, uh, dose therapy. So mm -hmm. high dosage, um, shorter duration can still have the same efficacy and effectiveness of long duration, one hour therapy. So um, yeah, absolutely. I'm like 100% on that. And actually I'd love to have my COO uh, I don't know if she, you know, for, for the podcast, if she wants looking for guests or my CEO, she worked at eBay, PayPal, uh, wow. is very, very open about her mental health journey. Uh, she's Amazing. so, so intelligent, so bright. Yeah, um, yeah. And so if she wanted to have her on as a guest, I'd love to have May um, meet your daughter. No, I, I would love to make that connection. Um, thus far, it's been uh, fellow peers. Uh, mm -hmm. So my daughter's 14. So it's been others. Uh, I think the oldest she's had is uh, 19, but it stays yeah. within the teen range. But um, for, because I think, you know, my daughter's very keen on this professionally uh, as well. And so just to have that interaction would be phenomenal. So I, I'd love sure. to have, be able to make that intro. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and my, my daughter is a student at Geffen Academy, which is a part of UCLA. So maybe we can uh, work some magic there for uh, yeah. <laughs> <Utefai>. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier having a portfolio of a few other investments. Are there any yeah. other platforms in the mental health arena that you're actively investing yeah. in? Yeah, yeah. So we have a small family office. Uh, so my father and I, we were actually able to bounce back as entrepreneurs do. And so we have about Fantastic. 14 companies in our portfolio from real wow. estate to um, healthcare to hospitality to uh, B2B consumer. So we touch everything. Um, one of my favorite investments last year was MindStrong Health. Uh, okay. A really cool company. They use uh, mobile, your mobile phone to determine whether or not you're going to go into and the, you know, the inputs from what you're, how you're using your mobile phone to be able to tell you if you're going to be manic or depressive or have a schizophrenic episode, some sort of episode with Amazing. a 97% accuracy. Wow. So really trying to hit on the preventative care kind of um, approach and they're online with health plans already. Um, and, you know, doing some phenomenal things because <clears throat> they're giving you like a tool, like a tool, non-clinic, some non-clinical support as well. Uh, so some solutions where you can kind of proactively monitor your mental health, look at kind of, you know, a dashboard and see, okay, this is how I'm doing. Think of it as like your EKG or sleep yeah. monitor, but for your mind. Um, so they're tracking like how much activity, you know, cause sometimes when you're manic and a bi you know, and you're bipolar, you're like on social media, like for 20 hours straight and you're just like in it, you know, and you're, so they can like catch that those things and help you monitor all those types of things. And um, yeah, they're doing really well. They have about, you know, hundred million in the bank right now. They're, you know, wow. killing it. They just closed their series C, um, which is the round that we got in at um, and uh, backed by Jeff Bezos, by General Catalyst, by 
um, What If Ventures, which is a great mental health VC as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm on their syndicate. Stephen Hayes, yeah. So I actually yeah, invested yeah. through Stephen Hayes as an LP okay. in that. And then, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> there's some really exciting deals coming out of that syndicate. Um, a lot of psychedelics too. Right. Uh, how to use psilocybin like, and, yeah yeah i think we talked about that a little bit but how to use mdma yeah. ketamine right you know sort of supplemental with supplemented with therapy to improve outcomes and it's not even improving outcomes it's like 70 percent cure rates which is just like mind-blowing it's phenomenal uh that that's exciting stuff if it works you know i think yeah. uh, there's still a lot to be seen but the clinical trials suggest that it's really effective yeah yeah that's fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Ravi, this has been such a great conversation. I really do appreciate uh, not only your time, but also your willingness to be vulnerable and your candor. Um, you know, when you talked about that uh, experience in the plane sitting next to a woman who was coming to SoCal to support her daughter, uh, what her got, got her to open up was you're taking that lead and being vulnerable yourself and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing because I think it's important. Uh, imagine if more of us did that, uh, yeah. just how much more open we could have these conversations. So I really give you a lot of credit and thank, thank you, you for, for taking that uh, initiative and being so open. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. It starts one story at a time. So thank you for getting out these stories. Uh, they're, it's very powerful and I appreciate I appreciate that. I'm really glad that we got to meet and I really enjoyed our, our time together. It was fun. It, it flew by. So. Flew by, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just say exactly. Well, thank yeah. you once again. Thank you.